Are you aware of a statistic that says that approximately 93% of you performing musicians will, at some point in your lifetime, have an injury or ailment that is directly related to being a musician? Today we're going to talk about what you can do to help lower that percentage and to not be part of that statistic. Up next. Hello and welcome to the Musician Toolkit. This is episode number 57. I'm your host David Lane and it is great to be with you once again. So first things first, I hope that this episode sounds at least normal to you like most of the other episodes if not good or great. Um, yesterday I had to go to a clinic to get my ears cleaned because I knew that one of them was badly stopped up. I couldn't hear out of it. So they, I, I did the, the ear syringe thing and I got that ear cleaned and they looked at the other one and you said, you know, you said, you know, the other one's pretty bad too. Um, I'm one of those people that's kind of afflicted with small ear canals. So, you know, the wax buildup is, is very easy to do. So they syringed both of them and I am still getting used to the way things sound. It's it's like all the treble frequencies have been turned way up and my brain hasn't quite adjusted yet. So I'm not sure when I listen back to just what I recorded at the very beginning of this podcast, uh, the, the cold open, I didn't think it sounded very good. But then again, nothing right now sounds very good. So that's a long way of saying I, I hope that this <laughs> the sound quality is okay. If not, hopefully my ears will kind of find their center of gravity for lack of a better phrase and I will or the I guess uh, equilibrium they'll find their equilibrium and we will get this back to normal sooner rather than later so we're still fairly new into 2024 and it's not too late uh, if you haven't made all of your resolutions or if or your goals or whatever actually I'm not really a fan of resolutions I like goals better um, you know, because goals can be shifted, you can also fail at goals and come back to it. And I think a lot of people have fitness goals. So this is a good time to evaluate what should be an important tool of musicianship, but I don't include it in the tools because it should be an important tool for everybody. And that is physical wellness, physical fitness. Let me ask you just a few questions. How many of you play your instrument in a sitting position? Okay, how many of you have your arms in a fixed position either in front of you or holding them up near your face for an extended period of time? How many of you have to use a repetition of a motion over and over and over to play your instrument well? So unless you're a vocalist, you probably answered... Uh, yes, <laughs> you probably agreed with one or more of those statements. Well, those are just some of the things that can cause injury, fatigue, ailments, whatever you want to call it. It causes you to be less than your optimum by doing those things. And yes, correct technique can address some of it, but not all of it. So today I am talking with a friend and colleague who specializes in helping musicians overcome injury but also develop a routine based on what they tend to do in their life what what kind of musician they are she helps them to develop a routine in order to avoid further injury or avoid injury in the first place if you're thinking well I haven't been injured yet good you need this probably more than just about anybody else uh, because uh, prevention really is the best cure. So my guest today is Angela McHouston. She's based out of Nashville, something we don't even talk about at all in our conversation, but she is a professional flutist and plays with various ensembles all over the United States. But she is also a fitness expert and she is the founder and owner of Music Strong. And she helps musicians one-on-one -on -one and also in uh, small groups to 
help overcome injury, help to prevent injury. And, you know, we talk about some things such as it's not always what you think will be helpful. For example, if you've thought I'm a little tense in my back, I think I'll stretch my back, you're probably making the problem worse in the long run. So we're going to talk about what you should be doing instead. We're also going to be talking about Angela's vision for an upcoming musician wellness center. It's a big, exciting goal, and she's going to tell you where she is with that, what that involves, and you know what her ultimate goals are with that. Also, have a little bit of a talk about mindset as a musician and how it can help you grow in your career and also just grow as a musician. So, a lot of stuff, not just talking about physical fitness today. So without any further delay, here's my conversation with Angela McHouston. Angela, it's great to talk to you again. Uh, so we, uh, it, it, I have a few listeners who know my other podcast, Life in the Pit, and you were a guest, I believe, back in early 2022. Uh, sounds about right. So I, I feel like it's been about two full years since we last spoke. And uh, so, so. I know there's a few listeners uh, who who have heard that episode, and I'll just say we're, we're going to try to kind of be a little bit more different this time, but we'll probably cover a lot of the same things. So, but there's a lot of people that, uh, you know, that I hope are encountering you for the first time and what you do. But we are just starting 2024. Maybe describe your 2023. What was, um, what was some things that you did in 2023 that kind of, I don't know, kind of defined that year for you professionally? I had an incredible 2023, like looking looking back, you know, that's what we do at the end of a year and the beginning of a new year is we tend to reminisce. And um, it's, it's easy to get caught up in the moment and think, well, I haven't done anything and look at all these plans I wanted to do and this didn't happen and blah, blah, blah. And I started looking back, I thought, my gosh, I've done all kinds of stuff. I mean, I, I ended up traveling the world. I visited like six countries and 11 states and I taught all kinds of places and I exhibited for the first time in a couple different places. Um, I mean, I got a new flute. I got a new car. I got a new bike. I mean, you know, like all these things. And I'm thinking these were all things on my bucket list that I actually got, you know, this year. So, OK. Um, but professionally, what it, the, the year started, my goal uh, was that... Irony. January 1st, I wanted to open um, the very first Musicians Wellness Center. Mm -hmm. And that obviously has not happened because here we are on the 4th and um, it does not exist. (laughs) But what I learned in keeping that forefront of uh, what I was doing, on one hand, it's difficult to have a vision that big and know what to do on your own. So you realize that you can't just go out there willy-nilly and just try to create something and, you know, go into a ton of debt and hope for the best because hope is not a strategy, right? Right. So what I learned over the last year is one, how to keep that vision in front of me and not get overwhelmed with with all the, the ins and outs of it. And two is that, wow, there's a whole lot about running a larger business and not, you know, getting out of the because right now I'm a I'm a personal trainer for musicians, which I love doing, but I'm ready to branch out and oversee this larger business of larger wellness facility and opportunities. And there's just so much you don't know. And so, you know, I beat myself up about, well, I haven't finished my business plan. Well, this is the multi-million dollar thing that I'm thinking. This is not just a a small whatever. And then things would shift and they'd shift and they'd shift. And and so I, I don't know if I'd have a um a theme for the year, maybe resiliency. Maybe that was the year before because I had a really bad accident on January 1st. <laughs> right. But um, last year was flex. If, if 2021 was resiliency, 2022 was flexibility. Okay. You know, just keeping your eye on the prize and being okay when things shifted and it was things didn't turn out the way that you thought, but you still keep your eye on the goal. And while you're exploring other other avenues. I don't, I don't know if that's really vague or helpful or what. No, no. You know, uh, there's a couple of things that I definitely want to chase. So, uh, first of all you uh you talked about you said the word you got to exhibit for the first time what does that mean yeah so um with both the florida flute association and the national flute association um, i registered as an exhibitor so when you go to these they have conventions 
Um, the National Flute Association has about 6,000 members, I think, and Florida Flute has less than that, but still a considerable amount. And so when you when you go to these conventions, they have an exhibit hall, and the exhibit hall is where, you know, different vendors will come in and hawk their wares for, for lack of a better term. And so I actually got to uh, set up a set up a booth and be there in the exhibit hall, being able to talk to people about what I do and answer questions and be in that space instead of just the presenting space. Because that's what I've done every other time I've gone to one of these conventions, I've been presenting. This was just like, nope, I'm not doing that. I am here to just run the business. Mm -hmm. So that was really exciting because I learned, I, I learned, what I learned is that, um, how do I say this? When you go in as an exhibitor of services, it's a little different because I don't have a product I'm selling, right? right? So I'm going in thinking, I'm going to give people what I think they want. And it didn't work out. And I realized I learned it's not, you know, I can't give people what I think they want. I have to give people what they actually want. Yeah. And so I actually got to learn what people wanted instead of what I thought they wanted. Right. What's an example of something that they wanted that maybe you weren't expecting? Well, what I thought people wanted was, you know, uh, I did this whole series of instrument specific workouts over COVID and they could download those. And it's kind of hard to sell digital products in a physical space, which is weird. Right. Um, and I thought people would be interested in a flute workout or a clarinet workout or a saxophone workout, you know, because people bring in their chamber groups and stuff. Nobody was interested in that. Hmm. I didn't get a, I got one or two questions out of maybe 80 people. And uh, what people were interested in, uh, one is I had an artist come up and say, hey, I've been looking at your stuff forever. I want I want to work with you, but I live in Miami and you're in Nashville. How can we work together? I need you to help me. And so like, that was something I wasn't prepared to answer. I mean, I can figure out, well, you know, how we would do it in person, but if you're way down there, how do I develop an artist package? Mm -hmm. You know, the second thing was I had people come up and say, hey, do you have, you don't deal with neck pain, do you? You don't have anything to deal with neck, neck pain or back pain or wrist pain. I have all kinds of things. Oh, I don't have them all written down. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it wasn't the instrument that people were interested in. Some people wanted to know more about how do I increase my endurance. Some people wanted to know how do I decrease pain in these areas. Some people wanted both. And the things that I was offering, they address those, but indirectly. So right. what people want is them to be addressed directly. Yeah. Uh, and, and I, you know, I think sometimes we don't really know maybe people aren't always thinking about like what are the inherent risks with my instrument and what are some things going on like um you know i didn't think there was any problem with any kind of tendonitis or anything as a pianist for you know for quite a long time but then you know occasionally i would like wow that really does kind of <laughs> hurt here on my forearm today and uh you know it, it, sometimes it's just a matter of just addressing your technique you know it's like it made you know some some things that kind of being aware of some pain areas helped me realize that oh i tend to shrug my shoulders when i play i need to relax those or uh, i tend to maintain sustained tension too long when i play so some of those are addressed in technique but you know one of the things and this is not the first time i've said this on this podcast but uh you know on a good day i i sleep seven to eight hours and I still am probably sleeping less than the amount of hours than I spend in a day sitting down, you know? So I'm in this half squat position for much of the day, either I'm driving or I'm here working or I'm teaching or I'm, you know, I don't, uh, I'm, <laughs> I don't play the piano standing up. And if I did, I would probably have a different problem bending over to get <laughs> to the keys. <laughs> but, right. uh, but I imagine that, you know, I'm one of many people with this problem sitting down so uh and, and I, I should go ahead and get this disclaimer out of the way just in case i forget to do it in the introduction so you, you know you are a uh, you're a coach you're you're a trainer you're not a uh you're not a physical therapist so um you know i anybody listening to this you know you it's maybe not you know feel free to try anything but also feel free especially if you have something really serious uh probably want to you know consult your doctor consult your physical therapist. So having gotten that <laughs> disclaimer out of the way, what are some things that you have found for people who sit down all the time, some types of exercises or things that they can do to help kind of counterbalance that? 
Yeah, so we're talking people who sit at a computer, sit at a piano, sit at a keyboard, sit at a drum set, yeah. sit and play harp. You know, but you yeah. can go on and on and on, right? And uh, I had a I had a former client mention this the other day. I have a private Facebook group called I Am Music Strong, yeah. and she, uh, I, I said, what are the um, what would be some things that that would be helpful? And she said, some exercises that deal with hip and thigh tightness after sitting down for too many gigs over quote gigmas, you know, because we right. just come out of December and all the musicians are just crazy with with all the gigs that we got to do, and that's that there's there's a lot of truth to that when we sit so if you find uh find the crease of your hips that's our that's your hip joint right a lot of times so if you're looking at if you're looking at a kid a child will bend from their hip joint their movement is pure it is unadulterated i mean it's absolutely perfect they move the way god intended right as we get older we pick up all these weirdo habits and we bend from our quote waist, which is not an anatomical term. It's a fashion term, actually. So like we bend from our mid back instead of our hips and then our hamstrings get tight. And then we think we need to stretch our hamstrings, which end up being too tight because now they're overstretched. And then we don't our glutes don't work as well as they're supposed to. And the front of our hips is tight from being contracted from sitting so long. So we end up with these muscle imbalances that uh, the good news is that it's soft tissue. Soft means it can be changed. It's not hard tissue like bones. So if things are tight or weak, we can actually change those. So a couple of the things I will tell people, uh, you want to roll, you want to stretch, and then you want to strengthen. You want to do them in that order. Um, there's a little bit of, you've probably heard some controversy over, yeah, you shouldn't stretch before you before you work out, et cetera. But here's the thing with that. Um, that, that is true and that is not true. The thing is that when people are saying that they're generally referencing, there was a study done, I think, in the 70s about doing a stretch for three minutes before for your chest before you went and did a one rep max bench press. Hmm. How does that impact your strength? Well, how do you think it's going to impact it? <laughs> so we're not talking about doing one rep maxes here. We're talking about calming down the muscles that are overactive. So if you're sitting a lot, the muscles that are in the front of your body, basically your your quads, your hip flexors, all those are going to be tight, mm -hmm. right? They're pulling your hips forward so you can stay in that flexed position. Your low back could be tight because you might find yourself arching your back a little bit. So we want to calm down those muscles. What's in between? Your glutes are in between. We sit on our glutes. So if you notice uh, when you get a massage, what feels really good when they press on a muscle, right? We're mm -hmm. trying to get it to calm down. So when you sit on your glutes, they are calm. They don't need to be any calmer. Right. We need to quote, wake them up. It doesn't mean that they're actually not functioning. You've heard the, maybe you heard the term sleeping glutes. Doesn't mean they're actually like asleep and not, you know, working, but it just means that they're not working in balance with the other muscles because they've been underused, right? So rolling your hip flexors, uh, rolling your quads, stretching them out, and then strengthening them with one of my favorite exercises is a glute bridge. Mm -hmm. It's it's what's funny is a lot of the exercises that I that we do, um, they look they're either awkward or slightly obscene, but they're very effective, and that just seems <laughs> to be the way that they go. Yeah, you know, maybe that's why we don't do them because it's not polite, you know, to move your body in this way, but then it doesn't move, you know. So doing a glute bridge. And uh, even just squeezing your glutes throughout the day, you'll notice that if you're, so if you're standing, uh, if you're standing and you look at yourself sideways in a mirror, you might see that your hips tilt forward a little bit. We call this a, an anterior pelvic tilt. Mm -hmm. Most people have this, not everybody, but a lot of people. So if you look at your belt line, ideally it should be roughly parallel to the floor, but it probably dips forward a little bit, mm -hmm. which means your low back is tight and probably hurts and your hip flexors are tight, which also means your abs, on the other side are weak, and so are your glutes on the other side are weak. We call that lower crossed syndrome, mm -hmm. right? So if you just tuck your butt under like a dog is tucking its tail between its legs, you squeeze your butt, you'll see that your hips shift backwards and you can bring yourself into that more neutral uh, position. And then if you draw on your belly button, like someone's gonna punch you, not, you wouldn't do it like super hard because then you can't breathe, that's ridiculous, right? But just draw it in a little bit. You can do it, I'm doing it now, right? Mm -hmm and then let go, you'll notice that your hips shift, right? So just squeezing your glutes and pulling in your belly button throughout the day when you're not sitting, even when you are sitting a little bit, can really help with like low back pain and sitting too much. And I know that that might be a little bit of a rambler, but um, 
That's just the easiest thing for someone who's got low back pain or who sits a lot is do those two things anytime you think about it. And the right. more you do them, because it's it's a little thing, but the more you do it consistently, the more it becomes something that you do automatically and the less pain and discomfort you're going to have. Right. You know, I wrote something down uh, just as, as just kind of a, a thought that I had, you know, prior to us having this conversation. And, I, and that was stretching is like Advil or Tylenol <laughs> with, with kind of the idea that uh, I think for me, a lot of times I'm thinking, oh, I've got pain in my back i need to stretch my back and i probably will make it feel better but not for very long and a lot of times what i find is and this was you know what a physical therapist kind of guided me to it's like your, your problem is actually for me at least it was not flexibility it was strengthening certain spots and it sounds like it really what we want to do is kind of be mindful of what are the activities that are causing detriment to kind of our physical condition and look at well what what is tight and what is weak and what and mm -hmm. take those weak spots and don't stretch them <laughs> as much <laughs> as we want to strengthen them is that does that sound kind of like the approach you're recommending yeah abs absolutely because if there's something that i say more than anything else it's that the site of pain is not always the source of pain so if your back hurts it doesn't mean that your back is um the problem right so a lot of people have knee problems your knees um oh i had a client who said uh how'd she say it something like um if you have a joint that hurts it's because of your crappy neighbors so what's what's on the other side your calves and your quads and they're they're pulling on the knee joint within the middle right so if your knees hurt, more than likely, unless you've got some other kind of underlying condition or an acute trauma to the knee, the knees are not the problem. It's the imbalances or the things that are pulling or things that are too tight or weak, you know. So if you've got something that hurts, look around it, you know, see what's see what's going on. Um, and just because and the other thing is that just because something hurts or feels tight doesn't mean it needs to be stretched. A lot of times our body hurts when things are weak, mm -hmm. right? So, for example, my favorite one, because it is me too lately, is uh, when you sit at the computer, you sit a lot. We tend to round forward. Though mm -hmm. so the area in between our shoulder blades can tend to be kind of achy, right? So if you squeeze your shoulder blades back, oh, it's still a little achy, but it feels good, right? Mm -hmm. But if you roll it out, if you get a massage, it feels nice, but it doesn't change. It doesn't really get better. That's because the area is weak or weaker than the muscles in front pulling you forward. So what you have to do is you need to relax the muscles on the opposite side, in this case, the chest and the front of the shoulders, and then you strengthen the muscles that hurt. And then guess what? The pain goes away. So a lot of times, if something hurts, look to see if it needs to be strengthened instead of stretching it. So... Uh, a cue that I give people is like, well, I don't know if it needs to be stretched, stretched or strengthened. Okay. So if you take like a, like a, a lacrosse ball or a foam roller or something, you get a massage in a certain area. If you've got a painful point and you press on it and the pain, it feels good, but it doesn't get better, generally means it's weak. If you press on that point and the pain level goes away, it means it's tight. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. When I was back, uh, when I was in college, uh, I had a strength class with, with one of the coaches there for one semester. And this was during the, uh, I guess, the glory days, the dynasty days of the Dallas Cowboys. And uh, <laughs> the coach happened to mention, he's um, talking about Emmett Smith, the running back, who was, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Hall of Fame running back. And uh, but he also he had problems with knee injuries quite a bit. And that coach just said, if I was a strength coach, he wouldn't have that problem because because all you have to do is look at him. He obviously spends way too much time thinking about his quadriceps and, and mm -hmm. developing those and not enough about strengthening the other side of his leg, what we call it the leg biceps, uh, or some people call call them that kind of where the hamstrings are. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, and I've heard that a lot of times if you have back pain you know some some of that can be helped by working on your chest you know is, is i've heard a little bit of that like just kind of working the opposite side of the motions but you know, i mean because basically you have pull and you have push you know so and i think a lot of times a lot of, some a lot of times the problems the other way around a lot of people work on pushing exercises and not enough on 
pulling exercise. And I think part of the reason for that's pretty obvious. You can, I can go to my floor right now and work on pushing, but I need a prop of some kind usually to do pulling. Is that, is that something right. that you found like, cause, cause I'm thinking musicians, what, is there anything that involves like a pulling motion? I mean, you kind of hold a, you hold instruments <laughs> up like a violin or a flute, but you're not, yeah. you're, you're really kind of stationary. I don't know. Is there something among musicians that you found like that with pull with pulling or pushing, you know, that's, that's you're they're doing one too much of. Well, uh, yeah, a lot of the imbalance is caused by um, instruments have to do exactly with that. Like we hold the instruments in front of our bodies, mostly, uh, or play the instruments in front of our bodies. Um, An exception to that slightly might be the bassoon, Mm -hmm. because they're and the French horn, because one arm has to come back a little farther than the other. I mean, it doesn't have to be a lot, but it's enough that you have an imbalance between left and right shoulders, Um, your left back upper back, lower back, and the right side as well. So uh, beyond that, I can't really think of any other instruments that do any like any kind of pulling. And that's definitely what I've found. I mean, there used to be a saying, it's not, you know, 100% scientifically accurate, but in general, you should do twice as much pulling as you do pushing, because we do so much in the front of our bodies. We eat, we drive, we text, we, we cook, we garden. What do we do behind us? Unless you're reaching for something in the backseat of the car, you don't really reach behind you, right? It's not something that we do a lot of. So those muscles tend to get tight, weak, and they complain at us. And then we try to stretch them and then they don't get better, right? So definitely finding that uh, incorporating more pulling into yeah. your daily life is really, really helpful. And that can be as simple as just squeezing your shoulder blades together for five to 10 seconds at a time. It doesn't sound like a lot, but I mean, if you do it five, four, three, two, one that's kind of a long time we think we've done it for five seconds it's a second right but if you do several of those throughout the day you're already going to notice that oh my back doesn't hurt as much right so um the other thing is that yeah you uh you you should do more pulling but we don't want to neglect pushing yes because the muscles in the front of our bodies have to have the endurance to do what we do which is use them Mm -hmm. right so if we only focused on pulling then we get an imbalance in the other direction. So it's all about, quote, balance, right? So push-ups are great. What I find is that most people do push-ups. They don't do them well. Right. And so <laughs> they're a really hard exercise, which is why the military has us do a bajillion of them because they're hard to do and they're hard to do well. But if you think, so for anybody who really loves doing push-ups, a couple of cues that you might not think of, one, pull in your belly button. Mm-hmm. Two, squeeze your butt. That's already harder. Right. Three, when you put your hands down, I want you to think of, so if you think of like opening a jar, you're yeah. going to do a little twist, right? So think about not opening a jar, but like how you unscrew. So I want you to think about screwing your hands into the ground. You're going to notice you're kind of squeezing your armpits. Mm-hmm. So doing those three things, and that's what we don't see in a lot of videos. We don't see the isometric contractions. You don't right. see me squeezing my butt and squeezing my armpits and squeezing my abs and then doing the motion. But that's all the things that's going to hold your spine in a happy place. And it's going to make those weak muscles work a lot harder. So try that the next time you do a push up and see if it doesn't help. Right. Uh, you know, one of the exercises uh, that I uh, programs that I follow, it uh, has a, kind of an exercise of where your 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 arms are locked out and you're just, you know, in, in front of you and you're just trying mm-hmm. to basically get the inside of your elbow to go straight ahead, you know, just, and then, and then bring it to the other side, just kind of a rotation mm-hmm. back and Rotating. forth. Yeah. yeah. And, and then, and then when it talks about the plank, it encourages you to, to get to that position to where basically everything is going forward and puts your elbows kind of directly behind you. Cause I have heard that before, like when you do pushups, if you can, you know, you, you don't really want them flaring out cause that puts a lot of, I guess, strain and, different places but <laughs> yeah uh, so it's yeah. a lot of stress on that on that shoulder joint so um yeah to that end when you're thinking of like screwing your hands into the ground you're squeezing your armpits your elbows are going to come back more at like a 45 degree angle yeah. they don't have to be parallel to your body mm-hmm. but you don't want them out wide like you know like a scarecrow because that that's a whole lot less of the stabilization muscles in your in your upper body on your upper back, it's more than it's straight shoulders. And that, that can be a lot on the shoulders. And as musicians, we really right. need our shoulders to work well. 
Right. You know, and one type of exercise is funny. I, uh, it, it's one that I, that I believe is very essential. And I, and I, and I, and you know, I've worked with you enough to know that, that, uh, <laughs> to believe that you agree at least, <laughs> at least a little bit with this, but it has kind of a stigma attached to it. People are, are like, Oh no, that'll hurt your knees. And that's just the squat, the full squat. And, <laughs> and I find that maybe, maybe the thing is, is that you do have to be very mindful when you do that. If you do that the wrong way, I, suppose you can hurt your knees but at the same time that's an exercise i found it if i have any knee strain at all doing a good mindful squat actually gets rid of that pain is that something that you find that is you know i, I would say if the push-up is an essential one and and pull-up is the squat up there as well 100 percent squat deadlift row push-pull mm. i mean yeah being able to move your body in those kinds of planes of motion, um, just avoiding something, you know, you, you say, you know, if it hurts, don't do it. And there's some truth in that. But if you just start to classify everything that hurts and not doing, then we move a whole lot less. Right. And um, I was actually watching a physical therapist on Instagram the other day, and they were talking about, uh, you know, if something hurts, you probably need to come into the gym and move and strengthen it instead of, well, this hurts, I'm going to lay out. Well, it really kind of depends, but same with the squat. A squat is a basic movement. So again, you go back to a kid, you look at a, a one or a two-year-old who's now they're toddling around, right? And then they go to pick up something off the ground, right? Mm -hmm. What do they do? They pop a full squat straight down to the floor and pick up the thing. What yeah. do we do? <sighs> you know, we groan <laughs> and we like lean over and we make it all awkward, right? Why don't we, why don't we continue to just uh, pop that full squat like a two-year-old? Yeah. Why don't we? We can, yep. and the more we do it, the more we try to do it, we can, but we find like our hip flexors are tight and our, we've got all these imbalances and stuff, right? So yeah, keep get, being able to do a squat well. It's it's not that complicated, but what I've found um, in the, all the years that I've been training people, especially the older population, is that we forget how our body moves. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we start moving in ways that we think are more efficient and they end up just hurting us, right? Like, like I said, we bend from the quote waist instead of the hip joints. Um, the most common thing I see when I ask people to do a squat and 90% of people when they come to me can't do a squat well, is that they bend from their knees. Their butt doesn't move and they hunch over and they bend from their knees and their heels come off the floor and all these kinds of things. And I say, okay, okay, we're going to fix this. This is my favorite analogy for this. And this will fix 90% of the, the issues that I see. Okay, you're on a long road trip, and I do mean long, and we're going through the desert. And oh no, you've you've got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> um, okay, there is one gas station, and it is it has not been manned in a while. Um, but you 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 are at the point you have to do what you have to do, right? Right. How are you going to squat? <laughs> are you going to squat with your knees and your heels up? No, you're yeah. going to stick your booty as far back as you possibly can. That is how you should start thinking of how to do a squat. We instinctively know how to do that. Right. So if you think of doing that, <laughs> I mean, we we can all relate to that, right? Nice. So if you kind of think that's how I'm going to start getting in and out of a chair, you're going to start realizing, oh, I've not been moving from my hip joints. I've been moving from my knees. And doesn't that feel a little bit different than, you know, squatting the other way? How do my knees feel when I squat from my hips, when I move my hips first, right? right. That kind of thing. So it's just, it's about increasing that body awareness first and then moving from the right joints. And then you don't have to load it. You don't need a barbell or dumbbells or anything. Just using your body weight is is totally beneficial. It's a great place to start. Nice. Well, that's an illustration that nobody should forget. <laughs> Work on your squat. Um, I've never been in that situation, but I know what I would do if I had to, right? right? We all do. Um, you know, <laughs> kind of comparing practicing, you know, physical exercises to practicing music you know mm -hmm. one of the things that i found like if i'm working on a really tough passage on the piano um i often try to break it down to i'm trying to get from point a to point b and i found it very helpful to well i know i know where point a is let's go to point b and let's kind of trace backwards gradually how we get there from point a so like i'll go to point b practice just that uh, like, let's say it's, you know, it's a, I don't know, a 12 note pattern I'm trying to do. I'm going to play note number 12. Then I'm going to play note number 11 going to 12 and then 10, 11, 12, and then 9, 10, 11, 12, and just kind of work on that. 
And I can say for fact that, you know, um, I can do a pretty deep full squat. And one of the things that I worked on at least a little bit was just sitting down and then getting into the bottom of the squat and just like, what does that look like if I'm at the bottom? And then, you know, can I sit up a little bit? Can I kind of use my hands to help me? And, you know, just because a lot of times people, they're, when they're starting a squat, they're starting from standing up, but they don't practice from the other end. It's kind of the same thing if you're doing a uh, pull up, you know, I, and I think there's a lot of trainers who, who kind of recommend this. It's like, if you can't do, do a pull up, one thing you might want to try first of all is find, uh, you know, get a step stool or get find a bar low enough that you can already be in position at the top of the bar and then just like uh, let one foot hang, let two feet hang and just get to where you can support yourself at the top of the bar and then gradually, slowly pull yourself, push your, well, allow yourself to go back down to the starting position. So it's like, you know, that's not, that's only half the motion, but it, I think it's about half that a lot of people kind of like musicians who only start at measure one, you know, and, and <laughs> yeah. wonder why that's not getting better as much as they can, that if they could go to the end of the passage and work backwards, I think that there's some correlation to that in any, especially if the movement's difficult for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's so much value in starting from a different place. Yeah. You start noticing things that you didn't notice before. You know, whether that's whether that's in, in physical training or in music. I mean, if you start say you've got a, a you know, like a, you've got a phrase and this phrase has just been hanging you up. You're like, Why can't I? I've played it seven bajillion times. Mm-hmm. Well, and what if you start it from the end and you still like you get to a point and you can play the whole thing and then you take it up to speed. And again, it's still wrong. Like, well, have you started from the middle? Have you tried swinging the notes forward, stringing them, swinging the notes backwards? Have we tried altering the rhythm? Mm-hmm. Have we tried singing the notes? Can, can I hear every single note? Is there a note I'm not hearing? You know, just kind of breaking it down into where where is it that I am that I'm missing? There's something obviously here in my brain that's that's missing a, a connection. Where is that connection point? And it, like you said, I think the pull up is a really great example because pull ups are hard. I'd love to do a pull up. I still can't. <laughs> but uh starting at the top like you said starting yeah. at the top just hold on as long as you can and just control we call those negatives when you're when you're going against gravity just control right. yourself going down as 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 hard as you can yeah and for those of us who can't do it at all jumping up and just whoop, you're gonna go straight down yeah but you tried and the more you try the longer you're gonna do it yeah. you know and that's great if you don't have an assisted pull-up machine because yeah. it's it's you know people use bands and stuff but sometimes just just holding on yeah. I mean, you know and, and, and of course, really you know, good. holding on to you're you're also I mean, you're thinking about the exercise, you're, you're also getting some practice with grip. And, you know, th- this is something that I, that I found, you know, a lot of, I think most instrument, most instrumentalists make use of their hands in some way and just kind of holding on. And, you know, the, the, the stronger your grip is just, I think, the more you kind of allow some of those other muscles to relax, I think. 100%. I don't know if you know about this, but there's a there's some studies that have been done. And I can I can find them and send them to you. But one is like the baby stick test. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they found that grip strength is directly repor- uh, directly proportional to life longevity. Mm-hmm. Stronger your grip is, the longer you're going to live. Which right. sounds weird, but think about it. When a baby's born, what's the first thing we check? Mm-hmm. Their grip. Yep. You stick out your finger and how strong is their grip? Yep. It's a sign of health, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> If you look this up, one of the I think it's from the 1800s. There's a um, we don't do studies like this anymore for good reason. <laughs> but there's a picture of uh, I want to say it's like the 1880s. I could be wrong. Maybe it, maybe it wasn't that long ago. But there is a picture of a doctor with a t- uh, I want to say maybe a a couple a, a, a baby that's a few months old, right? Not very old, and the baby is holding on for dear life to the stick, and he's picking up the stick, and the ba- the baby is dangling. By mm. only its grip, mm. and like this is a healthy child. <laughs> that's <laughs> quite the test. <laughs> but I mean, nice. you think about that. That's another thing, you know. I, I that that as musicians, we're like, well, I don't want to train my grip. I don't want to lose my dexterity. The good news is, you do not lose your dexterity just by training your grip. Like you said, it allows those other muscles to work better. And uh, like you're not you're not going to be less of a dexterous uh, violinist if you go rock climbing. I mean. Right. The, the two are not the same, right? Right, exactly. You have different types of muscle fibers that do different things. So right. it's okay. It's okay to be strong. <laughs> well, so let's talk about a couple of things. Uh, so so this was something that you, you kind of, when we were chatting last night, 
you mentioned this, and I thought this would be really interesting to just have you elaborate, elaborate on. You said we could kind of talk about travel, having different experience. And the thing that kind of jumped, jumped out at me was this next thing. It's like how opening your mind to a different, and you said, and more expensive experience can change the way you think about reality, your world, and ultimately your career which gets you out of the lack mindset and which prevents you from feeling like you have to take every single gig, which increases your odds of injury in the first place. You're just overuse. So, I mean, there's a lot of stuff there, but uh, <laughs> I want to focus, I want to focus into how opening your mind to having a different, more expensive experience can change the way you think about your reality and your world and your career. So if you wouldn't mind elaborate on that a little bit. Sure. So that's kind of been the theme of this last year for me. Um, I've been I've been reading and listening to a lot of uh, books and podcasts and things uh, like, you know, Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich and, you know, things like that. And there's a, one of these podcasts that I've heard is called uh, the Successful Mind podcast, and it's by David Nagel. And he studied with Bob Proctor, if any of you all know who Bob Proctor is. And basically... It's, you know, it's it's self-help, but what it boils down to is when we are trapped into what we can see, that's the only experience we're going to have. Your brain and your body has to have a new experience for us to realize sometimes that something is possible, right? Mm -hmm. So if you think that, well, let's go back to this. A lot of musicians think that we're doomed to be broke forever. Musicians are broke. These are the rules. Musicians are broke. You must be a teacher. You will only do this for passion and you'll never have any money. And that's the way it is, right? Also, there are no gigs. There are not enough to go around. So you better, how many times have you heard this? You better say yes to everything. Mm -hmm. You better say yes. If someone calls you, you better say yes. It doesn't matter if you've got something else going on. If you don't say yes, they won't call you again and you'll never get another gig from them. Mm -hmm. I mean, how many times have we heard this? There is some truth to it. But at the same time, why do we care about only getting gigs from one person? Why is there only one way to make money? And who says we have to be broke? My gosh, music infiltrates every single part of our lives. Mm -hmm. It's at the gas station. It's in the grocery store. It's on the radio. We listen to Spotify and Sirius XM and blah, 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 right? It's on commercials. It's in movies. It's whatever. If the whole musician world said stop, we are not going to be broke anymore and we're not going to accept, you know, like I'm here in Nashville and people work just for tips. It's insane. Mm -hmm. um, and now I'm going to get back to this, but it's like, if we just all stopped and said, no, you don't get any more music until we're paid what we're worth. Mm -hmm. The whole world would basically shut down. There's so much that, you know, we just, music is everywhere. Right. And we don't think of ourselves as that. And we're right. not taught that. So to, yeah, I know this is kind of all, you know, rambling around a little bit, but it, and another thing is, when we allow ourselves to have a different experience, and I talk about this in my uh, certification program, like changing your lack mindset that there's not enough gigs, there's not enough to go around, we're always going to be broke, all this stuff. And I address that because if you charge what you're worth mm -hmm. and you stick by it, people pay it. People have all kinds of money that they spend. How much in it is it? I have no idea. But how much is an Hermes handbag? Mm -hmm. 50 grand? Right. For purse, people will spend money on on things like that, right? Why right. do we feel bad about charging more than two hundred bucks for a for a gig? Mm -hmm. Why do we feel, you know what I'm saying? So I'm thinking about the musicians that are working here in Nashville down on Broadway. A show is four hours. Mm -hmm. Some of these musicians, a lot of them will pull doubles, so they're playing for eight hours a day. Some will even do a triple, mm -hmm. twelve hours a day, and they only play for tips. Mm -hmm. Excuse me? Mm -hmm. What? You know, and and they're like, well, you know, if I say no, there's enough new talent that comes in and someone will always say yes. I'm like, yeah. So at what point do we we say enough's enough, right? Because you're if you feel like you have to say yes to every gig, you are going to run yourself into the ground because you can't. And then your musicality suffers on top of that. So now you're not playing at your best. You feel terrible, but you feel like you can't get ahead. And then that perpetuates into that realization of it can't get any better because you've created this thing where literally it can't get any better. So what I found is like, this is actually true. If you allow yourself to have a different experience, like, okay, start with, and this was on one of the podcasts and I, it goes into travel and everything else, but it start with, start with 
Look around your house. What is one thing that every time you look at it, you say, I hate that. I really wish I could replace that. I just, I don't want this couch anymore. I don't want this rug. I don't want this, you know, whatever. Like, you know, someone gave it to you. You feel like you can't get rid of it. Get rid of it. Just get rid of it and go buy whatever it was to replace it. it. Can be something small. It can be like, I need a new shower curtain, right? I'm tired of looking at this thing. But you start leveling up your environment, right? And then you start allowing yourself to have different experiences. You realize it didn't, you know, you're going to spend money on certain things. What, what did, how much was this? Did it take away from something else? Maybe more than likely not. Right. And so then we start having these other experiences of, okay, for me, it was travel because I went traveling around the world and being able to put myself in a situation where I had these different experiences. Like I went to, I cycled in Spain for a week and then uh, went to Monaco and stayed at, at our Airbnb was a yacht mm. in Monaco. Did you know you can do this? You wow. can do this. I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> this, right. And so the thought is like, if you surround yourself with, with different experiences and people who live a different way, right. So they say that the, you're going to be the, what was it? The average of the five people you surround yourself with. Right. So if you go have an experience of, I'm going to go to, I don't know, say the Ritz Carlton, mm and go sit in the coffee shop. Mm -hmm. What are the experiences that you're gonna hear and surround yourself with? And maybe you make a friend, maybe you meet a new person and their way of living is so beyond what you've seen before, then you realize it's possible. And then you stop settling for less mm -hmm. and then you start playing less and then you start playing better. Then you start more quality, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so it all kind of comes together to, um, being less injured, being less tired, having a better quality of life, just because somebody said it has to be this way doesn't mean it has to be this way. I know it's right. kind of a long-winded answer, but hopefully that, that comes right. around a little bit that makes some sense. Just yesterday, I was having lunch with a friend. Uh, we were catching up for the first time in almost a full year. And he was talking about how he just he he does videography like he does you know video, video recording services but um you know also duplication you know like you know digitizing your old vhs you know he does a lot of services like that and he said that he just started charging more like quite a bit more and he ended up getting more interest that way it's like you know this happens a lot of, to a lot of people have found that when we raise our rates um, it's, it's actually, it's opposite of what we, what we feared. We're, we're getting more opportunities and, but we also can be a little bit more selective on that. And, um, I was just thinking, you know, since I've recently moved in a house, which means I've gone through twice everything that I own, <laughs> unpacking it and unpacking it. And, uh, I was looking at some old recital programs and I was like, my goodness, I had 31 students participate on this recital. And I was remembering, I, oh, yeah, I had like 40, 39, 40, 41 students at the time. I teach 20 to 25 now. And <clears throat> back then, I felt so broke. You know, it's like I, I and, and it's because I was charging so little, but I was teaching so much, you know, mm -hmm. and, and so forth that that it. It really was. I was not doing financially as well. Now I teach half the students and, you know, make considerable, considerably more income from, from that now. And a lot of mm -hmm. it's just kind of, as you say, it's just changing your mindset. But, you know, for, for me, it was getting on what really has helped is connecting with other teachers and, you know, and just hearing what they do that has worked and, you know, it's the same thing. If you're a musician, um, you, you've got to you've got to go out there and make friends with other musicians. Not for the point of advancing your career. Yeah, I think that's a lot of times. I think when we think about networking, we that's all we think about <laughs> at first is like, how can this person help me uh, in, with a career? But I, hearing you talk, you know, one of our networking goals could be, how can this person help me with my perspective? and help me with my ideas of like what might improve me as a musician, as a person, as a business person, you know, so 
It's great to, to hear mm-hmm. that. And travel, there's so many good, good quotes about travel. It's like tra- travel heals bigotry or <laughs> travel heals prejudice. <laughs> I, <laughs> or it's an antidote for it. I, I can't remember the exact yeah. quote, but yeah. But but it also uh, closed mindedness, you know, it, it's an antidote for that as well. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you, you experience so many different things and it takes you out of your norm, which can make you uncomfortable, but it can also be exciting. And what what they've found is that, you know, anytime that you really want to change your experience, um, you've heard of people doing affirmations and all these kinds of things. And that's helpful. But you have to really see yourself in that situation and you have to put emotion behind it. And what I've found is that traveling does that because it forces you out of whatever situation you're in. You're in a new experience and you can choose the emotion you want to have. So you can choose to be, you know, apprehensive, excited, fearful, mm-hmm. anxious, thrilled. I mean, you can have, mm-hmm. we, what I said was we, uh, we spent almost two and a half weeks all over Europe. We rented a car, we took a bullet train, we cycled, we were on a yacht, we did all these things. Um, we had moments where it's like, where did we park the car? What did we do with this? How do we, I don't speak French, you know, <laughs> these mm-hmm. things. It was a, well, we can either be frustrated about this or we can laugh or we can choose how we want to experience this, right? The right. experience is going to happen whether we want it to or not. And we put ourselves in this situation. So it's just having a new experience can really be helpful to breaking out of an old mindset, but having a new experience in the realm of what you want. And I really feel like uh, exactly what you're saying, charging more mm-hmm. really can also like, we, why do we not charge more? We think we're not worth it. Mm-hmm. We're afraid that we won't get business. Oh, but here's the thing. If you say no to a gig, now you're not available. Now you're only available to certain people. So now you can charge more because you're only selectively available. Isn't that how the the biggest performers in the world work? Mm-hmm. Why do we not see ourselves that way? Right. You know, but whether we do travel or not, I just choose to use that because I love to travel. But if you hate to travel, that's fine. Right. But uh, you can you can choose to have a different experience. Right. And I, I like the fact that as musicians, instead of playing the victim of, well, it's got to be this way, I'll always be broke, you know, someone won't pay me, whatever. Like we can choose to have a different experience. Right. And that's physically and that's emotionally and that's financially, mentally, all the different things. Right. Uh, I always have to remind myself and, you know, my, my students, whenever you choose something, you're actually also choosing against something else. You know, this is a, this is a thing like, especially, you know, the, the very active students that want to participate in all of the sports and they want to also get all of their music and so forth. It's like, well, even with all you're doing, there's, there's something you're not doing. You could be doing, uh, you're, this, this this kind of fear that I got to do everything I got to or I'm missing out or I've got to accept all of the gigs or I have to accept every student well once you've accepted them you've closed off that time to accept something else you know so it's it's just a way of thinking about it. even when you don't say no to a gig you are saying no to a gig or at least the possible gig yeah. Um, the yeah. last thing I want to uh, just talk about is you mentioned, you know, one of your, your goals, your 2023 goals that was a little bigger than you anticipated was the Musicians Wellness Center. So uh, t- tell us just kind of overall what that vision is and maybe where are you now? And also, uh, if anyone says that sounds like a great idea, uh, I would like to help. How can they help? Beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. So my my goal is that this year I will open the first the Music Strong Musicians Center for Health and Wellness or something to that effect. I'm still working on the name. Right. But um, basically, the idea is that, you know, as musicians, we tend to put the music first and ourselves last. And that only works so long. And then when something hurts, if we ignore it, it it's something at some point you're going to be forced to take time off to deal with it. So why do that? Why not have a place where we can go and take care of ourselves and that be part of how we make music mm-hmm. instead of waiting until we're broken? And then, you know, say say you're on tour and your knees hurt and you don't have time to take care of it until um, now you can't say you're running cable and now you can't run cable anymore because now you have to take time off to go see a doctor. And now somebody got, you know, somebody else has your job because you can't do your job. Mm-hmm. So if we do the preventative stuff that can prevent that from happening so my dream is that 
the Musicians Wellness Center will have, it's not just a gym, right? It's not just about strength training Mm -hmm. because not everybody, we don't need a one size fits all approach. Right. There are some people who absolutely love cryotherapy and acupuncture and massage and saunas and steam rooms and all that. And then there's other people who are like, I don't put me anywhere near needles. Um, but I do love to get in the pool and I love to strength train and I do love a massage and I could really use a chiropractor, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So the goal is to have as many modalities as possible to make it a one-stop shop mm-hmm. for musicians, health and wellness. And I don't just mean physical. I also mean mental and emotional. So I really also want to have addiction support and counseling and maybe even financial counseling, surgeon consults, all those kinds of things. Because if we take away the stigma of mm-hmm. being injured, Oh, somehow you're less of a musician if you hurt. Mm-hmm. Guys, 93% of us are going to hurt at some point in our careers. It doesn't make you any less. It makes you one of us, yep. sadly. How about we bring those statistics down? I mean, mm-hmm. heck, what I think I heard a, a statistic the other day that um, gymnasts freak out if 10% of them are injured. Mm-hmm. There's 93%? <laughs> How backwards is this, right? So... If we take out the stigma and the scariness, say, well, like I said, with surgeon consults, hand surgeons, who is afraid to go to a hand surgeon or a neurosurgeon or whatever, because you are afraid they're going to cut you open. Mm -hmm. Sure, that's what surgery does, but they have other options. And a lot of times they can tell you what those other options are, whether they're injections or tell you, oh, actually, you don't need this. You need X, Y or Z. But if we don't go because we're scared, then we won't get that help. And then we can bounce around spending more money on stuff that doesn't help. And meanwhile, things are getting worse. Mm -hmm. So just having that that referral network of surgeons and doctors and counselors, therapists, specialists, having that all in one place. And I'd love to also have, you know, nutritional support. Um, It's at the physical place, you know, have meal prep. I'd love to have a self-serve kombucha bar and cold brew, you know, all this, all the fun things, right? Because we also need a place where musicians go to hang out. Once we're done with the gig, where do we go? Mm-hmm. We either go home or do a bar. Usually that's not really the healthiest thing. You know, if you go home cause you're tired, well, you're not making connections. If you go to a bar, we're drinking alcohol. That's not necessarily the best. Plus it's loud. Okay. So where do the, where do the musicians hang out? And I've been asking myself that question and I'm going, there's really no place. I want this to be the place where musicians hang out. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a network of people that are, we're all musicians. We all love what we do and we all are taking our health seriously. So we have a place that we can actually go and meet other people. And there's no stigma involved because, Hey, we're all here. You know, you don't have to be in pain to be here. You can prevent pain. You can get stronger. You can, you know, have your own cocktail of of wellness modalities. So one person who's going to want uh, personal training, massage, float tanks, and sauna. And then there's another person who just really wants to do acupuncture and talk to a therapist and, you know, have their meals done for them. Mm-hmm. That's fine. That's great. Why not have it all in one spot? So that's that's my goal. And I've made uh, made a lot of connections over the last year, talked to a lot of practitioners that are on board. So I've got that part of it down. I'm working on the business plan. And now it's like, well, who do I partner with? How do I start it? Do I do it from the ground up? I need help with marketing because I'm a musician. I don't know how to market. Well, Mm -hmm. just, you know, I'm just passionate about it. So that and I'm also um, thinking about uh, how great would it be if one of the record labels decided, hey, this is something we're going to be the first to partner with and we're going to offer this and nobody else does. So Mm -hmm. if you're if you're part of a record label or something and you'd like to partner and make this a thing, we can also do satellite locations. I think that'd be amazing because I feel like if you're on tour, wherever you are, you should be able to get the care you need, right? right? Whether that's telehealth, video, or in person. And mm-hmm. I just, I think it's way overdue. If we have Planet Fitnesses everywhere, why can't we have this? Right, right. Well, great. Yeah. Um, well, last question, where can people follow you? And, and and feel free to, you know, if you, if you want to share, like you have a new Facebook group, fairly new Facebook group, you know, but uh, where are all the places people can follow you and Music Strong? Yeah, sure. So the best place to find me is at my website, musicstrong.com. I'm launching a membership site here really soon. You can get on the wait list for that uh, top right corner. You can also get information about the wellness center on the site and be first to know about that. Um, I have instrument specific workouts. I have online training. I have programs. Uh, You can find all of that on my website. 
You can find me on Instagram at Music Strong Fitness. Mm-hmm. You can find me on Facebook at Music Strong. And the uh, Facebook group is called I Am Music Strong. And actually, I have a 10-week habit-changing course that you can access for free when you get in the group. Oh, excellent. Well, it's been great talking with you again. And uh, and I'm, I look forward to following uh, the progress of you know your wellness center and all the stuff that you do in 2024. And I think as you kind of alluded to in 2023, uh, and, and I found this to be the case, we, we, we make these goals and, and they're kind of like roadmaps, but you know, life happens and, uh, and, and not always in a negative way. It's like a lot of times you get opportunities you didn't foresee. And that's why you didn't do what you thought you were going to do. And you ended up doing something else. that was also equally good. It's like, uh, 2023, uh, I, I didn't go into that planning to change my church job, to uh, buy a new house, to <laughs> to do all these things. But opportunity happened, and you know that happened, and and it was it was a good year. So, anyways, look forward to seeing what all that you end up doing this year. Thanks so much for having me, David. It's been a fun time getting to reconnect with you. And that's going to wrap up episode number fifty-seven, and the last bit of that conversation. Uh, Angela talked about a lot of things that have links, and so all of those links will be in the show notes of the podcast episode itself. I will say, if you are listening on YouTube, sometimes that doesn't show up, so if you click on where it says the source link at the top of the description, that should take you to one of the podcast links where you can actually access those links, but if you're on Uh, Spotify, or if you're on Apple Podcasts, those links should show up as hyperlinks and you'll be able to use all of those and to go explore everything that she is talking about, everything that she's offering. So before I wrap up, just want to remind you about Fonz and how it can help you if you have a private studio of any kind, whether that be for music or whether it be for yoga, martial arts, or anything else where you are meeting with a client one at a time or in small groups and having to schedule them, and having to collect payments. So that's going to wrap it up again for episode number 57. I'll be back with you again next week, and I look forward to presenting next week's episode. Until then, thank you for listening.